Hello Blazers, welcome to episode 43 of UAB Green and Told, original air date Monday, April 12th, 2021. Through this podcast, we are able to share stories from members of the UAB community. I'm Greg Berry, a UAB alum and assistant director in the UAB Office of Alumni Affairs. Listen back to past episodes of UAB Green and Told on Spotify and the Apple Podcast app. While there, I'd love for you to leave a written review so we can reach more alumni. Throughout history, individuals have been called upon to break various glass ceilings, paving the way for future generations. Dr. Kathy Amos, a 1974 alumna, is one of those individuals. She became the first woman to graduate from the UAB School of Optometry. It took a while to be able to have those skills and be able to present yourself and, you know, as an equal member of the class. And as the person who broke the glass ceiling within the School of Optometry, her impact was great. But it took Dr. Amos until her recent retirement to realize the gravity of it all. And I was amazed at the number of people that I did impact, that, um, you know, were students, uh, pre-optometry, even before that. But despite a career in which she was honored with many recognitions, it all comes back to her patience. I think the greatest reward I received was what my patients gave me. Putting their faith in me, I think that was really the most meaningful thing. While she went from the University of Kansas to the University of Indiana and then finally UAB, it'd be unfair to say that Kathy Amos bounced around from here to there. She didn't. All of it happened within a short period of time. For the most part, this Hall of Fame optometrist is a staple of hard work and consistency, characteristics she developed as a kid growing up in Southeast Kansas. Education was, you know, really promoted in our family. My mother, my father died when I was and a teenager. And uh, she was a registered nurse, a degree nurse actually from KU. All her girls, we were five, all women need to be educated. And it was given that men would be educated, but you know, women. Um, so my mother really promoted that. So I knew I would be going on to school somewhere. You know, I was cheerleader and real involved with the school. And I was a photographer for the yearbook. I was very active in National Honor Society and all those kind of things. So um, my father was a cattle rancher. So we had a lot of activities related to that. He had property outside of Parsons and uh, more of a cattle person versus farming. Most people feel like those are all in one, but they're, they're, they can be very different. You know, so we, he raised cattle, he sold cattle. His brother was in business um, in Dodge City. So there was a lot of back and forth between the Western part of the state, depending on the market, what was going on. As a child, and as a female in the Midwest, your family was very supportive of the education. And this time when you were deciding to go to college was the late 60s, early 70s yeah. when you're going to get your education. Now, females are probably outnumber males in college. At the time, that wasn't the case, was it? No, uh, it was probably two thirds male and a third female. And it took another 25 years to get to 50-50 in most, most universities. So um, my sister, you know, kind of took the lead and I followed her to KU. My sister after us, you know, came along and she went to KU. My brother did <laughs> multi-universities and community colleges and things. And the other two sisters, uh, one went to Pittsburgh State. And then my younger sister went to uh, KU also. But my um, had a lot of adventures at as it turned out, my after my father died, my mother remarried uh, my junior year in high school, uh, four years later, and he was a farmer and a rancher more than a livestock broker. 
in order to earn money. I'm always looking to earn money. When I was growing up, uh, my mother had us on an allowance, but we had to earn that allowance. And um, so uh, I went down with him, my stepfather, and uh, drove a truck and harvested wheat, you know, and drove the grain truck to the the grain elevator and they dumped it off and then went back and got more. And uh, I did that for a couple of summers, you know, to, to earn money. And uh, so that was a real experience. And you know, my kids down the road uh, went back and were on the farm for a week or two and helped my stepfather do the same thing. So it was kind of passed along and they, they enjoyed that experience. They talk a lot about that, you know, going with grandma and grandpa and doing that. With going to Indiana, starting in the optometry program there and then moving to UAB, at the time, what were the big differences between the two schools? Because obviously there had to have been a few. Well, uh, UAB was the only school of optometry started in a medical center. So that gave it a real distinction out there. And at the time, there were only 12, 11 or 12 schools of optometry. So Indiana and Ohio State and Berkeley were the two, three big ones because they were affiliated with universities. The other programs were, most of them were affiliated with uh, private colleges and universities. Okay. So that was a big distinction between the two. And then um, Indiana um, had a big, uh, they called it physiological optics program, which was a post, uh, most people had an OD degree, and then you did a PhD and more. So it was a real basic research. It wasn't clinical research. UAB got a good reputation for a lot of uh, really strong clinicians um, as faculty members. And so was, that was a lot different than Indiana had a great reputation for all of its PhD people, you know, in research. Anyway, it was, it was changing. When I started at IU, there were 70 in my class and uh, seven were females. And here, um, you know, the first year class had six uh, students, and I was in a class that had 12. So I, I made the 12th person coming in. So uh, very small to begin with. The basic science was so much stronger here at UAB versus what Indiana had, because th th we, we used all the medical school faculty you know, to teach dentistry, optometry, and medicine. And so it was a lot different composition and you had uh, really qualified people. I, I you know, it, it couldn't, you couldn't do better than, than to come here. I mean, we didn't realize that until we got here, but it was a great experience uh, to, to transfer schools. I mean, I loved Indiana, but uh, this was in terms of uh, clinical outcomes, this was the best situation to be in. And, and we had a lot more patients, a lot more patients here. So out of the 12 students, how many were female here? One. So you moved to UAB and Birmingham, and you're the lone female going through the coursework. <laughs> that had to have been kind of surreal just to really understand the gravity of what was really happening of being the only one. Well, uh, it was a shock because, you know, we had one of the largest, by seven out of 70 at Indiana, that was the largest number of females they'd ever accepted, but there were one or two each each class along the way. So we had seven, so we were a little bit different there. But, you know, coming in uh, and being married to a faculty member was a unique experience, I must say. In addition to that, these people, you know, my, my classmates had been together, you know, for two years, and then you dump somebody <laughs> new in yeah. off of that. Uh, so you're not really part of the group. Uh, you know, it took a while to be come part of that. I understand. I mean, that was uh, <laughs> a little unique. And then, you know, you're a female. There was, uh, it was challenging. 
What were some of the challenges that you had to overcome with your male counterpart students? Well, just acceptance, number one. Um, you know, they were convinced that, and rightfully so, that the UAB program was far superior than what I had had. So there was a little bit of that, you know, well, she's behind, she's behind. And uh, I think just the male-female clinician role, how is she going to be able to see patients? You know, I can do this and, you know, could she do do that. And uh, so I think it took a while to be able to have those skills and be able to present yourself and, you know, as an equal member of the class in terms of, you know, having having the knowledge and the background. When we moved here, Indiana was for the first time had the second year students start seeing patients before the third year class, and which was very novel. And I saw three. My classmates the summer before they started their third year saw over 30 patients. Okay. So I was, uh, had, had a little bit of catching up to do, but, um, you know, after that first year and trying to find, uh, my way and catching up, I think things, um, got a lot easier in terms of acceptance by my classmates. I think once you had a level playing ground in terms of your clinical skills, I think that kind of made it a little, a little more parity there. Growing up in Kansas, going to KU to Indiana, and then UAB, did you ever think you'd be somebody that would be breaking a glass ceiling as becoming the first of something at UAB or the first of something to do anything ever? Absolutely not. <laughs> I had no, um, even that never crossed my mind, actually, um, at the time. I, I didn't think it was unique at all. And of course, once we got here, I mean, I didn't think to ask, were there other females in my class? I just assumed there were. And I didn't know what it was like to be the only one. <laughs> so um, it was uh, kind of a surprise. <laughs> How much of a foundation do you feel you laid for women optometrists at UAB in the state of Alabama and even across the country? Well, um, <laughs> that's a hard one to answer, but um, I think uh, what happened initially was uh, we had a few trickling, you know, one one per class, maybe a couple of years. Well, not the next year, but the two years behind me, there was a female. So it took a while. And part of it was women being recruited in the, I'll say the South um, in particular, for, for career uh, professions. And I, that wasn't there. When I came out of school, I became part of Desimo Project, which was um, uh, developmentally challenged, um, severely and profoundly challenged uh, children. And we had a, um, a multidisciplinary approach to that. We had a PT, a nutritionist, an OT, um, educational people, uh, all these different folks. And we were, worked out of the Spark Center. Okay. And um, so I did that kind of part-time basis. And um, a friend that I got to know there was a nutritionist and her husband happened to be the health career counselor at University of Alabama. So uh, he talked to all these people that, you know, were coming in. Should I do medicine? Should I do dentistry? Should I do optometry? What's optometry? And, um, and Bill got indoctrinated to what optometry is through, through us. So he would, these ladies that were interested in a career, but weren't sure what, and were thinking they wanted to know where I tell me, I can't tell you the number of people he sent up for me to have lunch with, to have a tour of the clinic, you know, see what was going on. I think that helped a lot because, you know, when they made a decision back as an undergraduate and then moving forward, that helps strengthen our numbers. I think, you know, more, more women were willing, they had all the book smarts, but you know, can I do a career? 
Is this something that I can achieve? And just a reluctance, um, you know, maybe to do medicine and what else could I do? I'm, you know, and so Bill Ponder ended up helping us uh, a lot in optometry to recruit uh, new, um, you know, positions uh, in optometry school for women. And um, I was involved somewhat in the, they had started a club at UAB for undergraduates for pre-optometry, pre-medicine and pre-dentistry. And I did speak in front of that group several times and did get to meet people coming up through the ranks there that uh, that helped out. But uh, in the early stages, uh, UAB did not have a program like that to recruit uh, undergraduate people into optometry. But that began to grow. It's, you know, looking back, I haven't just retired. They did uh, uh, some videotapes of, uh, of people that came in and wanted to say, speak something and had this little um, app that they sent out to people. And I was amazed at the number of people that I did impact that, um, you know, students, uh, pre-optometry, even before that, and just undergraduate students. And it was heart filling. I mean, I, I didn't realize, I guess I've kind of forgotten who people have had influenced. And um, it is a, it is a very impactful, um, you know, to, to think that you had some influence over people deciding to do optometry. But by the 90s, uh, mid 90s, we were 50-50. You know, it took a while to catch up, but uh, we hit those numbers and have stayed really high. Uh, I think almost every class is over 50% women now. With your ties to UAB and the School of Optometry, how have you seen that program grow? since you graduated? It's been amazing. Uh, and, you know, in the state of Alabama, we were underpopulated for optometry. And that's where the need came from. Uh, they showed the uh, diversity of the state and the population and the rural aspect. And, you know, we needed more optometrists. So uh, Dr. Volker always said, um, in the legislat legislator's wisdom, um, I asked for a school of public health and they gave me a school of optometry. The next year they got public health, but, um, that was a legislative kind of battle that went on behind the scenes that they did a study for and uh, the, the numbers all said we needed more optometrists. So um, that's how it kind of came about um, out of all the geographic um, distributions and stuff that they, they showed the need. So uh, it's been encouraging and it took a while. You know, many of our graduates um, went out of state. You know, we didn't keep a lot of them. Um, and the, as we changed our law and, and practices act and we got more UAB graduates out there, it became a, um, we're a regional school. We take a lot of kids from Georgia, Mississippi, Louisiana, uh, the Carolinas, uh, Tennessee. It took a while to kind of put UAB on the map, but once it got there, uh, we have a great reputation for the education, and um, I'm happy to be a part, happy to have been a part of all that. Uh, it's been exciting. In 1978, you actually established your own practice. You mentioned you just retired recently. <laughs> How fun was it to run your own practice? Well, it was a dream come true. <laughs> uh, it was always a goal, but when we got, when I got out of school, um, I had an opportunity to do this Desmo project, and then I went to work uh, three years for uh, Dr. Jim McClendon in Leeds. So we didn't have any optometrists in the metro area, really, and so uh, I went out there uh, two days a week. That was a good experience, kind of. I got to see the practice side of it, not just the clinical side. And how do you do the business part of it? And um, I was kind of waiting on my husband to decide, are we staying or are we going? <laughs> Is Birmingham gonna be our home? And uh, I think finally I just said, 
I've got to do this. I, I want to do this. And, um, you know, that whole fall of 77, I made plans, got a bank loan, uh, went out and did all that, found space, renovated the space, and then um, started started practice in that January of 1978. So um, it's been a very rewarding experience. And uh, I, I never dreamed it would be grow to the extent it did. And to have the opportunities, we had to see the, the people that we were able to take care of out there. And um, so it's, it's um, was very rewarding. What do you think was the biggest factor in the growth that you saw with your practice? I would say um, in general, um, I think the opportunity to be involved in the community that I practice in, I think um, um, being, uh, you know, having children that went to school, um, you know, in that area, um, that all kind of meshed together, you know, by being a parent, by being uh, a spouse, by being uh, a doctor, you know, you got to do all those things. And uh, that, you know, ended up paying off really well in terms of bringing those people into my practice. And it's been, uh, you know, quite rewarding uh, from all aspects. In the 45 plus year career that you had in optometry, how did you see that profession change? Uh, well, we started out with um, the, the biggest change is the legislative change that came about. Uh, and to begin with, we uh, didn't even have the use of diagnostic drugs in order to dilate eyes when I graduated from school. So we went from, from no drugs to diagnostic drugs and then to therapeutic drugs. And then as it just keeps changing, you know, you keep adding more and more things. So uh, we're pretty much full scope. Um, uh, we weren't the first state, but we weren't the last either. And uh, I was very involved with all those legislative efforts and uh, a lot of gut-riching times in Montgomery. But, uh, you know, uh, perseverance uh, paid off and we, we did as, were able to, to obtain our goals. So um, it's it, expansion of scope is quite amazing. And, you know, I look back and, you know, I used to run around with a handheld fundus camera taking pictures at Children's Hospital of baby's eyes. And, you know, we had Kodachrome film. Well, you know, there's no Kodachrome film now. <laughs> you don't have to take it someplace and have it developed to see what the eye looked like on the inside. You know, it's all done digitally now. And it's so automated. Uh, it's just amazing all the technologies that's impacted the practice of optometry. It's truly amazing. And I was so happy to see all that, that change. Uh, it, was, it was really, really great. You had a very illustrious career and you were recognized by many honors. Uh, President's Service Award by the ALIO, the Women's Academy of Southern Women's Archives, Optometrist of the Year, all of these things. Is there one that really stands out that the, that is the most meaningful honor or recognition that you receive? Well, um, those are all nice things. And I, I really appreciate the people that went, put out the effort to, to nominate me. And, but I think, um, I think the greatest reward I received was what my patients gave me and um, the recognition, the, um, putting their faith in me, I think that was really the most meaningful thing, that they uh, trusted me to deliver their eye care. And that was, um, it took me a while to kind of appreciate that, but um, as you got more involved with your patients, the longer you saw them and all the things they went through and they wanted you to help solve the problems, it, it just, uh, you know, that faith, that uh, confidence in me uh, probably means more than any of those awards. Where do you see eye care going in the future? Well, it's ever expanding, I can tell you. Uh, it's, it's 
have to spend a lot of time staying caught up on all all that's happening because um, it's changing every day. I mean, it's changing with all the the research and all the equipment changes and all the um, expanding the scope practice. Um, you know, I just got a thing yesterday about all the different um, uh, states, and we're one of them uh, asking for laser permission. You know, to treat patients. So, um, you know, it's it's uh, going to be it's growing and expanding. So that's, that's really says a lot for our graduates. You know, they'll have a, a great career in optometry. As a recently retired optometrist, what's next? What are you going to do? What are you going to enjoy during retirement? <laughs> well, um, photography has always been um, a real interesting, you know, I've done it since I was a kid and was a photographer for the, for the yearbook and I always loved taking pictures. And then when we got computers and digitalizing everything, and I just have a lot of things that I would like to do with all that. And um, I um, enjoy uh, working with the Alumni Association. That's been a pleasure to do. And uh, that's expanded my whole perspective on UAB because my focus was pretty narrow between <laughs> optometry and basketball and football to you know the world out there and, and the UAB um, big umbrella. Uh, it's really remarkable what UAB has been able to do. And we, we love to travel. So um, we're always, I'm always, I'm, I'm the travel guide. So I'm always, looking up things and finding ways, places to go and where we want to go spend time. So uh, I'm going to be busy, I imagine. <laughs> That's Dr. Kathy Amos. In 1974, Dr. Amos became the first woman ever to graduate from the UAB School of Optometry. After a lengthy career as an optometrist, she recently retired. She also has been a member of the National Alumni Society's Board of Directors for several years. With all she has accomplished in her career and her strong tie to UAB, she definitely has a good idea of what it means to be a blazer. It means um, a lot to me. You know, it, it changed my life. I mean, I'm not sure where we would have gone from Indiana or if we would have stayed there or whatever, but the opportunities... Um, John and I had and our family have had by living here and uh, having UAB as our core has, has meant a lot. And um, my son is, you know, works for UAB and got a master's there. Uh, so, um, you know, we're continuing the tradition of degrees from um, UAB and uh, the opportunity is made for this community. I remember when we moved here, people said, where are you going to school and what are you doing? And UAB wasn't on the map in Birmingham for a long time. I mean, it was, but it just was a slow grower in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And the impact it's had on this community uh, is just tremendous. And uh, we wouldn't be where we are today without UAB for a lot of different reasons. Um, uh, not just the economic part, but uh, the cultural part, The um, all the diversity uh, UAB brings to this community is just amazing. I hate to think where, where we would be as a community without it. I just uh, take a lot of pride in being having a degree from UAB. Stay on top of all of our Green and Told episodes by listening in at alumni.uab.edu slash green and told. Have a story to share? Email greenandtold at uab.edu. Finally, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for UAB alumni. Thanks for listening. And until next time, go Blazers.